some wise guy put this Colts hat in my office because the Colts beat up on my sissy Steelers. Big deal, everybody beats them. Uh, and since I'm talking about loving your enemies, I'm just going to, in Christian love, put that there nicely and let God punish Jim later. <laughs> so, we are going verse by verse through the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Romans. And we're in a marvelous section of Scripture in Romans chapter 12. And I've titled it Supernatural Saints. And the reason I title it that is because these characteristics, these qualities that are called for true Christians are really impossible without God doing it within us. Yes, unbelievers, atheists, they can sometimes do nice things for their families. They can do community service. And, you know, we also see in Scripture, though, many, many times, and God's going to expose this on Judgment Day, a lot of that's done out of pride. It's not done out of real love. And people do community service, and when people are there to see, they want people to think they're a good person, you know, and then they go behind closed doors and choke their wife. I mean, God is going to expose everything hidden behind closed doors. He's going to expose everything that's in your mind and in your heart. That day is coming. But Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he writes these things that Christians should do, should display. Um, I want to read verses I want to read verse 7 when Paul introduced uh, the book of Romans. Listen to what he says in the first part of verse 7. He says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. God loves us. This is the gospel. He died for us to save us. And he's called us to be saints. Now, you, if, if you've brought up in the Catholic Church, you know a saint is somebody that does something special. They have to vote on them to be a saint. That is not biblical. Biblical truth is every Christian is a saint. So when you come to Jesus Christ, God makes you into a saint. And what Paul is saying here now in chapter 12, now that God has done that by grace and mercy and this not of yourselves, he says, now live like a saint. Live like a saint. And I like Nathaniel's prayer. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you want to. It should be within your heart. Uh, it's very clear. You read Ephesians. You are either a saint or an ain't. There is no in-between. And so, if God has made you into a saint, live like one. When God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, in the form of a burning bush, he told Moses to take off his sandals. And he said that, he said, this ground is holy. Now, why was that dirt more holy than the dirt 20 feet away? Because God declared it holy 
God set it apart. It was special to God. I hate to tell you this, but you're just dirt that God has made holy. You're special to him. So by his grace, he makes you into a saint. Therefore, he calls us to live by it. So there's 13 verses. This is going to be more like a Bible study. I'm just going to read the verse and comment on it. And just let the Holy Spirit speak to you in your life and your situation. So, so let's look at this. And it's like, it's just, it's hard to give it an outline. It's just like an explosion of Christian action, Christian love, loving others, loving outsiders. And he starts off in verse 9 and he says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So let love be genuine. Let your love be real. Don't be a fake. Some translations say, and the Greek word for genuine does mean it means without hypocrisy. So you remember Judas? Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, pretended to love him and be his friend, but it was betrayal. It was hypocrisy. And I believe all of us struggle with hypocrisy to some form or another. And as we grow in our walk with Christ, the hypocrisy should melt away. You all know people who say, I'm not going to church because all you got is hypocrites down there, right? So you just need to say to them, yeah, but we got room for one more. Because, <laughs> because they're being hypocritical just saying that. So, so. Man, hypocrisy. I feel like Pastor Old McDonald sometimes. Hypocrite here, hypocrite there, everywhere a hypocrite. But Paul is saying, God wants his true believers to be genuine, to love be real, don't be a fake. And he says, he says, abhor what is evil, means hate what is evil. So the first part of the verse, he's saying you need to love, and the Greek word for love is agape love. It's the highest form of love. It's not a ooey-gooey feeling. It's, it's self-sacrifice. It's I'm going to lay my life down for you. Um, let me read from 1 Corinthians 13. This describes what agape love is. Everybody, you know, a lot of weddings, they read these verses at the wedding, and then they don't do it in the marriage. But let's read the verses, okay? It says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but always rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That describes Jesus Christ right there. And as followers of Jesus Christ, and we need to memorize that, we need to pray that, that God puts this on our heart to love in that way. But we also, not only do we love, we hate we hate what is evil. Be careful. We don't hate 
evil people, but we hate the evil and what it's doing to those people. That's why we preach the gospel to try to save people from that. You know, the devil, the devil is the biggest hypocrite of all because he loves with hypocrisy because he says to people of this world, oh, God wants you to turn from your sin? Well, just come Come with my crowd. We'll love you the way you are. You can keep sinning and doing whatever you want. We'll even teach you how to get better at sin. Welcome to hell. We love you. And what a big lie that is. But we as a church, yes, we welcome sinners. But we, we help them overcome their sin through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we hold fast to what is good. We hold on to the good. Second verse. Verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So now the Greek word for love is, we get the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love, not too much love in that city going on these days, right? Those Eagle fans are crazy. But, uh, but bro- love with brotherly affection. So yeah, agape love, self-sacrifice, lay your life down. And as you're doing that, you know what happens within a church? Man, all of a sudden, you start getting attached to these people. You start really loving them like they're your brother, they're your sister, and we've experienced that in our church. And it's a beautiful thing. So Paul, Paul's saying, he's saying build on that. Don't be cold to people. Be approachable. Uh, be warm. Uh, make people feel like it's an honor that you're their friend or you want to be their friend. We should make people that visitors, we should make them, we should be honored that they're here. Make them feel honored. This is what true Christians do. And I like how he says, outdo one another in showing honor. Just, just, just don't stop it. Just build on it. I don't think it means that somebody says, I appreciate you. And then you go, oh, no, I really appreciate you. And then all day long, you keep having a competition. That would waste a lot of time. I just think he's saying, man, just build on it. Build on it. Next verse, verse 11, says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, and serve the Lord. Slothfulness, laziness, don't get caught up in laziness. The church should be filled with people that that their hearts are moving them to serve. I was thinking of a sloth. I actually watched the video. That's why I ne- never get my sermon in the last minute. So I'm looking at the word slothfulness, and I start watching a video on a sloth. And they're amazing creatures. They are, just watch it. I mean, it'll make you laugh. They are just goofy looking, and they just, they're the slowest moving mammal on the planet. They crawl, you know, they get these claws, they hang in a tree, scratch their head. It's like it takes them all day to get out of the tree. And I know the older we get, okay, we kind of start moving like a sloth a little bit. 
But in your heart, don't lose your zeal for God. Don't, let, don't get burnt. Don't let the devil burn you out and, and lose that fire. When I first got involved in the church and, and in the ministry, my Christian friends, if somebody came and joined the church and started serving, we would always say, man, that, that guy or that girl is fired up. They are fired up for God, and it would, give, it would give us excitement. That's what Paul is saying. Stay fired up in serving the Lord. I know life gets hard for people. They lose loved ones. Life beats them up in many different ways. I know sometimes people need to take a break, and I think we need to be patient with that, and we need to pray for those people. And come alongside of those people and encourage them. Because the day will come, they'll be back. Give them time. But I also think sometimes people take a break. And what they really shouldn't do is taking a break. You take a break and all you do is think about all the bad going on in your life. Sometimes staying busy for God helps you to forget all that. So, but stay fired up for God. Uh, I listened to some wild and crazy music before I was a believer. In the 80s, I used to listen to Keith Green. Keith Green, he died in a plane accident. Great Christian songwriter. Some of you old-timers might remember him. But he had a song, and the word said this, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you can't even get out of bed. (laughs) Isn't that so true? Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you can't get out of bed? May that never happen. Stay Fired up for God. Verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Don't become a negative grumbler and complainer where you're irritable all the time. Paul is saying, Keep your joy. How? By whatever you're going through, however, however hard it is, you have hope in the Lord. You have hope in the Lord. He's faithful. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, Eric talked about how God is so faithful all through the scriptures. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his people. And we need to live in that hope when we're going through our time of trouble, our time of tribulation. And he says, be patient endure it don't let it get to you and and i think what happens this is talking about how do, how do you get this it's supernatural again you find it with your relationship with god and your hope comes from god and what happens is when you see god on the throne and he's sovereign and he has purpose in all your pain and problems you're able to deal with it better. But when you put yourself on the throne and think, yeah, why is all this happening to me? I know better than my life than God. And I don't like this and I don't like that. Why is this and why is that? And I'll tell you what, you'll lose your joy and it'll make you miserable. So be patient. Be constant in prayer. Constantly Pray to God, especially when you're going through a hard time. That's why God puts us through hard times. He likes us talking to him because that's when we pray. And it says be constant in prayer. 
So, yeah, I think we ought to maybe pray in the morning. You're a morning person, pray. Maybe you're an evening person. You pray before you go to bed. Fall asleep on the pillow, pray. Maybe at lunchtime, you pray. But prayer, we see in the New Testament, is supposed to just be constant. It's supposed to be like breathing. You don't go around trying to catch oxygen, you know. It, it just happens. It's just you breathe. God designed it. And prayer is that way. You just breathe out prayer all day, asking God for help, asking God's guidance, asking his wisdom, talking to him when, when you're getting all stressed out and irritable. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Be a giving person. Be generous. One thing I'm thankful for as the pastor of this church and thankful for the leaders of this church that we always try to meet the needs in front of us. We don't announce it. We don't blow a trumpet. We don't put it in the bulletin. We don't want to embarrass people that maybe we've helped in the church. But it's just something that we've always done and it feels good to do that. This is what we do. And even when we've needed money, if there's needs, we meet the needs. Let's do this together as a church. It's a beautiful thing. And, and he said, and that show hospitality in the Greek, it means to love strangers. Love strangers. That's hard for us to do in our world, isn't it? Because we're told. Be, hey, be afraid of that stranger. Don't talk to strangers, right? And Paul says, love strangers. Welcome them. And we just got to overcome our fear sometimes. The ministry can be scary. I know we need to be wise. I know we need to watch. But we need to welcome strangers and love them. I don't care what they look like. That's what supernatural saints do okay and i first got in the ministry visited a guy in prison and i mean i knew who he was because i worked in he wasn't a full stranger i worked construction with, but i didn't know a lot about him and he had no place to go so i took him into my house my wife was pregnant at the time and this old guy that that died became a friend of mine gave me a car and that was an old clunker it wasn't that big of a deal but it ran so I gave the guy the car so he could use it, you know, thinking that's the Christian thing to do. So he got in the clunker, and instead of going to work, he went and bought him a bottle of vodka, came back, ransacked my house, stole money from my house, stole clothes from my wife. I don't know why they wouldn't have fit him. Stole my wife's clothes. It was like, man, I said to myself, never again. Never again. But then it just makes you think about that. And what can happen is, and I've been burned so many times over the years trying to help people, but some people that I've helped, they've turned their life around. So we can't give up on it. And when somebody doesn't turn their life around and they, they burn you in that way, God still knows that you tried to do the Christian thing to help them. But I, I said to myself, you know, I need to be wise. I can't be bringing guys into my home when I got a pregnant wife. You know, it's all, for all you single guys should be taking guys in like that. You, 
you're so worried about finding a date, you need to start doing the will of God and keep your mind off of all that. It's just going to get you in trouble. (laughs) But anyway, we need to love strangers, welcome strangers, and help give them the gospel. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now that's hard, isn't it? When somebody persecutes you, when somebody attacks you, when somebody falsely says something about you, but remember Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, rejoice, great is your reward in heaven. And he talked about, you've got to love these people. You've got to, you've got to keep loving on them. And so this, this is so important for supernatural saints. Listen to what Jesus said when they were crucifying him. He said, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So there he was. I mean, crucifixion was horrendous. And while they're crucifying, he sets the example, and he prays for them and asks God to forgive them. And we are supposed to be following in Jesus' footsteps I was coaching my son's basketball team in a Christian school and when, when Nathaniel was in high school. And I'll just be honest with you. The referees in that league were bad. They didn't know what they were doing. They couldn't see. They just, they were terrible. But it was getting to me and it was getting to our kids and it was really frustrating us to the point where here's a Christian school we're getting upset at the refs, and it just didn't look good. So I knew we had to, I had to do some. I had to talk to these boys. So I talked to these boys, and this was going to be our verse. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> and I talked to them, and they listened to me. And, and it, and it kind of worked a little bit. Next game we got there, my son Nathaniel, he was so fast. He, he stole the ball did not touch the guy, stole the ball, was about to make a layup. He blows the whistle, foul. We're like, okay, here comes the test, right? Nathaniel yells out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. (laughs) I don't think that's what I meant, but it was funny. It freaked that referee out. It was great. 1 Peter 2, 23, and it's talking about following in the footstep of Christ. Listen to what it says. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't retaliate. He prayed for them. He didn't revile back. He just trusted his father was in control. God will take care of this in his time. And that's what we got to do. We've got to trust our heavenly father when, when people come after us and attack us and persecute us and let God deal with it. We need to do our part and be like Jesus. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. 
And I think this is, again, you're building affection for one another. And we become family. When something good happens to someone, when a baby is born, in our church, we rejoice with that family, right? And I always say it's, it's people with great character. They're, they're not able to have children. For some reason, it was God's will they can't have children. But they still rejoice when they see their, their, their church family has a baby. Somebody gets a promotion at their job. Somebody's blessed in some way. We got to be happy for them, even when it's not going so good for us at our work or our job. That's great character. When we can rejoice with our family, we want them to be blessed. We want good to be happened, but also we weep with those that weep. And even if things at the moment in our family are going good, our time will come. Planet Earth. Trials are going to come. Tragedies are going to come for all of us. But even when things are going good, what do we do? We weep with those that weep. We cry with our family members that lose loved ones or go through a hard time. That's what supernatural saints do in the church. Verse 16, we live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. This is humility again. Humility. Live in harmony. It says, be like-minded. Now, how's that going to happen when we all think different? We all think it should be done a different way. We all have different ways of doing things. We all were brought up different. We all have our opinions. We're one-minded because our mind, we're setting our minds on things above. We're following Jesus Christ together. And so that begins, even though our minds are different, it begins to unite us and bring harmony in the church. And we've got to humble ourselves and not be so prideful that we can't deal with a stranger or we can't talk to that brother or sister that just doesn't look like they have it together, okay? And we judge them by the way they look, and, and we're, we're afraid. We think we're better than them because we think somehow we think we've got it all together. No, God says no. You know, we've got some characters in this church. Have you noticed? You want to know why we have all these characters? Because God knows we're going to deal with them, and we're going to try to love them. And, and let's do that. Let's do that together. Yes, we'll be wise. And, and we got to confront things at times. But we do it with grace. We do it with humility and real Christian love. Don't be wise in your own sight. Don't think you know everything. Be humble. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I like that. In the sight of all. People are watching. Outsiders are watching. They're watching the way we handle when people attack us. How we handle things. How we deal with that. And you guys know it, Every, anytime, anytime a Christian out there does something stupid or makes some mistake, man, they're on the front page of the paper. 
right? Because the devil wants the church to look bad. And people are watching. So that's why, and that's why, it, what a responsibility to not pay evil for evil and to do what's honorable and people can see. How, how do these Christians do this? There's something supernatural inside of us helping us to do it because we can't do it on our own. And it makes them attractive for it. And then verse 18 says, if possible, and I like that, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I like that clause, don't you? <laughs> as far as it depends on you. Because in other words, there are times you try to make peace with people, but they don't want peace. But the point is, you've done, it depends on you, you've done your part to make peace. Jesus said, blessed, happy are the peacemakers. And this is what we do as supernatural saints. We go out of our way to try to bring, make peace in all situations. And then continuing on, verse 19, he says, beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We are not to take vengeance in any way, no matter what. And our problem is, we think an injustice is being done, so we need to be the ones that carry out the justice. That's God's job. He's the judge of that. And I have to tell people, I have to tell people this all the time. Nobody gets away with anything. And I know there's somebody on the other side of town that did something very mean and cruel to you, and you they've gotten away with it. No, they haven't. Nobody gets away with anything. Everybody's going to the judgment. Now, Christians, no condemnation. We're going to get away with some things, right? But But... You know, and how silly would that be? I'm going to stand before God and give an account of my life. I'm not going to be condemned, but God will reward me. I'll give those rewards back because I could only do it through God, right? But how foolish would it be if I sat there and, yeah, okay, God, yeah, tell that guy how much he hurt me. Tell that girl what, what she said really hurt my feelings, you know, while, while I'm going to stand before God. I, listen. We ought to be forgiven everybody because we're going to stand before God too. But nobody gets away with anything. Trust God. Let him get the vengeance. Uh, Scott Peterson, famous murder trial, killed his wife, Lacey Peterson, their unborn son. He was found guilty of murder and Lacey Peterson's mother said to Scott, I hope you burn in hell. I hope you burn in hell. I understand. I get it as a human being. I have a daughter. Okay, I get that. But I also see what God says he wants us to do. Let God have the vengeance. God will get his vengeance. And here's what happened to these kind of people. They live in bitterness for the rest of their life 
They never get over it. They never forgive. And it doesn't hurt that person. It hurts them. Your bitterness doesn't hurt that person you, you're mad at and you hate. It hurts you. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying, be free, brother. Be free, sister. Let it go. Give it to God. Let him avenge. I was listening to a tape by Pastor John MacArthur. He started talking about, it happened years ago. He was talking about his nephew got shot and killed in a robbery in a store. He tried to help the clerk somehow, and a guy pulled out a gun and shot him. His brother-in-law was a pastor. And his brother-in-law realized that his bitterness and wanting vengeance was not going to bring back his son. He knew his son was in heaven with God. And so he began to pray for the man that killed his son. And he ended up going to prison and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the man who killed his son. How do you do that? That guy's a supernatural saint. And I guarantee you, he had peace doing that. And he wasn't shackled by the bitterness and the vengeance. Let it go, brother and sister. Let it go. Set yourself free. Give it to God. Trust God. Verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, you like that part, don't you? Yeah, I'd like to heap some burning coals on that guy's head. But the idea is your enemy doesn't know what to do. So your enemy thinks you're loading your gun to come shoot him. So he's loading his gun, getting ready for you. And then when you come over and say, I forgive you, I don't want to hurt you, I'm going to forgive the debt you owe me because God forgave me a greater debt, that paralyzes them, that burns them. They don't know what to do with that. I, I worked construction when I first became a Christian. I ran with a rough crowd, and we called each other by the last name, so they called me Vargo, and you know, my friends were mocking me. They're out at the parties going, yeah, Vargo saw the light. Oh, Vargo, he, you know, the truth was I did see the light. Not a real bright light, but I found the light of Jesus Christ. I was working construction with one of my friends. And I wasn't the guy that tried to witness on just all the time. I just kind of prayed for people, and I would let them come to me. And this guy was always asking me about my Christianity because he couldn't believe I was a Christian. He didn't understand it. And he'd always ask me questions, and he'd get mad at me. So he came, and so we're, we're digging. We're digging out there with our shovel one day, and he's like, hey, so, so you're telling me now that I'm going to go to hell if I don't believe in Jesus the way you do? And I said, yeah, <laughs> that's what the Bible says. I said it nice. And he looked at me, I, he was so angry. He looked at me like he was going to hit me with that shovel. And he said, if I go to hell, I will kill the devil. And he was dead serious. These are the guys I ran with, guys that thought they could kill the devil. You think you can kill the devil? You got issues. But he was so angry. He began to cuss at God. I mean, you name it, he said it toward God. And I started, now that made me kind of angry. He's cussing at God. But I 
said a prayer, God, help me. I don't know what to say anymore to this guy. said a prayer, and it was like the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. And I said, listen, I said, you can curse at God all you want. But I said, God loves you so much. And Jesus died for your sins, and he still wants to forgive you and love you where you're at. It paralyzed him. He looked at me. He didn't know. He dropped the shovel. Boom. And he went home. <laughs> he left work. He didn't know what to do with it. It paralyzed him. We, listen, Christians, we have so much power when we, when we walk in a manner of love and forgiveness with the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it, can, it can get to people. It, and, and so I tell you to learn you got to pray. You need, I needed help to say that. I started to get angry, but I needed help, and God helped me. He'll help you overcome your bitterness to say good things to people who are saying bad things. Final verse. Final verse. It's a good one. Verse 21 says, sums it all up by saying this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That word overcome, it's a military, military word in the Greek. Don't be defeated by evil. With your actions, with your Christianity, as a supernatural saint, you defeat evil by doing what is good. Now, Jesus Christ on the cross, it is finished. He has conquered evil. He has conquered death. He has conquered Satan. He has conquered sin. And when we come to him, we are forgiven. We become saints. We will overcome. Believers will overcome. It's a guarantee. It's a done deal. It's going to happen. But as we still walk on this earth, God has not done away with Satan yet. And there is evil going on in this world. And God, when it comes after us, Paul is saying, defeat it. Defeat it. Defeat it with submitting to God and resisting evil. Because here's what happens. When somebody attacks us or lashes out at us, and we lash out and attack back, evil wins. Evil wins. Anytime we take matter into our own hands, evil wins. Don't let evil win in your life. Overcome it. Defeat it with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God memorizing it and living according to it. Because you love it and you want it. May God speak to your heart today. Pray with me. I'm going to sing a really good closing song. You know, these people that are bitter with you and persecuting you and saying bad things about you, it's, they're not going to come around by you attacking back giving them lectures, 
telling them how wrong they are. They're only going to come around when you, when you pray and you overcome what they're doing with your Christian love. Forgiveness, patience, and humility. May God help our church. May we all work together. We struggle. Um, I don't know how you can read these verses and not be convicted because I read them every time I'm convicted because I fall short. But the point is, we come here today, we confess our sin. We say, God, we've heard your word. Help us, God. Help us to let go of bitterness and anger and selfishness. Lord, I want to humble myself before you. God, Holy Spirit, help me, help me to be loving. Help me to love without hypocrisy. Help me to love the people in my church. Help me to love outsiders, even when they attack me. And let me be a witness for you. You walked in here today. You're visiting. You're not a Christian. Hear this. In all of your sin, wherever you're at, Jesus Christ came on Christmas. That's what we celebrate. He came to save you. He came because he was gonna, that little baby was going to grow up and die for you. And he wants to make you into a saint. You can't be a saint on your own by yourself. Go ahead and try it. It ain't going to work. You must say, God, make me into a saint. And I pray for every saint in here to pray to God and say, God, help me to act like one. Help me. Father, thank you for church, a place to come on the first day of the week, God, to prepare us for the week ahead at trials and attacks, so many things that come after us, so much spiritual warfare, the world The world is so hateful right now. But God, you have your people within it. Help us to be attractive to others by walking in these, by walking in humility, by walking in true Christian love. Help our church to be a lighthouse in all this. I pray, God, that you would Bless people today. Deliver them. Deliver them from the shackles of bitterness. Give them peace. God, we want to worship you now in spirit and truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to sing a great song.